Hey, can we give it up for our very own Linda J. Sandoval right here? Go ahead and stand up, Linda. Linda, Linda's world tour starts Monday. She'll be traveling to a city near you to... It's harder than it looks, isn't it? So yeah, some of y'all are laughing at her. Y'all ought to try it sometime, amen? Yeah, so if you feel like you've got the TV voice or personality or you're just good with saying hill instead of hell, what is that all about? We want your teenagers to come on Wednesday night and experience hell. No, it's called the hill, Linda. Don't we love our team? Our, we are blessed with a great team here at 1910. And Linda, thank you for livening it up today. I'm going to make it boring now. Hey, we're glad you're here. I, I messed up you Baptists today, didn't I, by messing and turning the room around? Those of you that are watching online don't know, but we jacked up the normal seating and people are freaking out thinking that we can't meet the Lord because the room is different today. Amen. <laughs> So I know that some of you are creatures of habit. We sit in the same seats every week, but we're glad that you guys are flexible with us. And uh, wasn't worship just absolutely incredible today? The singing was off the chart. And so we are so blessed and, and grateful for Pastor Allen and our, our worship team. I want us to pray together today if we can. We, we love to pray for moves of God across our, our city and, and around our nation. But today we're gonna pray for what's happening around our world. Is that okay today? Um, today, I'd love for us to pray for what's happening over in the, in the Middle East. And uh, hey, real quick, one of the things that you may or may not know is your giving is a big deal here for kingdom work at 1910. Let me say that again. Your giving is a big deal in the kingdom of God through this house called 1910. Many of you don't know that maybe through your giving, through your regular online giving or dropping your tithe or offering in the red boxes that we have all around this room today, your giving goes to support works of God in some incredible ways. We do preach the gospel. We're building churches in Indonesia. We've got works happening in Guatemala. But did you know that we also support a ministry that is on boots on the ground right now in Israel called the International Christian Embassy of Jerusalem? The I-C-E-J. They're boots on the ground. Through the giving of this house, let me just tell you some things that we've partnered with with the I-C-E-J. For years, there's been some destruction and poverty in Syria, the northern part of Israel. Hezbollah, we're hearing that term the last several days, right? The I-C-E-J has been going into Syria for months. Earthquakes happened a couple of years back. And they were going in with basic necessities, food, water. They were actually bringing those that had been hurt, that needed medical attention, out so that they could be treated for their wounds and injuries. We don't know about that oftentimes, but I want you to know you're giving. You're giving also with the ICEJ is building bomb shelters right now. They've planted bomb shelters all throughout the country of Israel. And even today, through our giving... See, it's not just about keeping lights on on a campus building. No, it's much greater than that. You're making a difference in the lives of people that are being threatened and that are without some of the basic necessities. And let me just remind you what Jesus would said. Jesus said, when you clothe the naked, when you have given food or water to those who are thirsty or hungry, Jesus says, you've done it unto me. When did we see you hungry, Lord? 
When did we see you thirsty or naked? Jesus says, whenever you've done it for one of the least of these, you've done it unto me. I am so thankful to be a part of a church that understands kingdom work, not just here in Bernie, Texas. And what God has called us to, as Linda did remind us, she did nail that part. We are called to find and restore. But I'm so thankful that we're a part of a church that sees the ends of the earth. Church that's planting churches in one of the largest Muslim countries in the world. And by the way, can I give you something to pray about? Who prays during the week? Anybody ever pray in this? I, I want to give you something to pray about. One of our pastors in Indonesia, largest Muslim country in the world, uh, just received his visa to come to the U.S. Yeah, that's great news. Thanks, Don. Pastor Agus Dermarwin. First of all, he's one of the best-looking Indonesian pastors you will ever meet. I promise you that. And when you see him, you're going to agree with me. Pastor August is coming. He leads a, let's just say, a, a, an institution where, where people can go and study. He will be here in the States, and he's going to have an opportunity to come and visit us. And so I can't wait for you to see him and to encourage him. He will bless your socks off. And uh, so, but your giving does that. We partner with him in Surabaya and to the ends of the earth as they're training men and women to plant gospel speaking, Bible believing works all throughout to the ends of the earth. Church, thank you. Thank you for that. I just want to encourage you that your giving matters. But we're going to pray today for what's happening in Israel. Is that okay? If you don't mind, grab a hand next to somebody today. Can I sit with you? Absolutely. Hold your hand. What's your name? Leah. Hey, Leah. Good to see you. Have we met? Kind of. Kind of. Is this weird that I'm holding your hand right now? Awesome. As a sign of unity in this house, can we just pray for what God's doing and what he wants to do in the Middle East? Father, we lift up today what's happening over in Israel and the Middle East. Father, our hearts hurt. We know your heart hurts over the atrocities that we've seen, things we've heard about. And Father, I don't know how, when, what it looks like, but I am praying for your peace to rain down. There are people on all sides that have been hurt and affected. Many have lost lives. They've lost places to live. They've lost their peace, Lord. They're wondering what's next. God, I don't have the answers, but I do know what I can do, and I can pray. And I can call out to the God of heaven, the God who is ultimately in charge of all things. And Lord, I pray that your will would be done and that your peace would rule and reign. Father, we know how you feel about your chosen people, Israel. And Father, I pray that we would not cease in being faithful in lifting up the saints there. Lord, I pray for believers there that, who are hunkered down maybe in some fortified location today. God, a weekend that's a time of celebration and worship and all that. Lord, there's just a little added awareness this weekend. God, I'm asking you to be near, and I pray that they not grow tired or weary, that their faith would remain strong in you. And God, I'm praying that the love of Jesus Christ would shine through in this dark moment. Do we believe that can happen, church? I pray for those in leadership that are making decisions. I pray for those that are, that are wearing a uniform today and called upon to do various acts. 
Lord, I'm asking for you to be in the center of it all. And God, through something that is so dark and heinous and ugly and just wrong, Lord, I'm praying that somehow you would bring, bring beauty from the ashes. Do we believe God can do that? May you be honored and glorified. Holy Spirit, thank you for your presence with us here today. Do you feel him yet, church? He's here. And Lord, we're excited that your presence is with us because we know that when your presence is present, there is an opportunity for transformation for our lives to never be the same. And so, Holy Spirit, we are open to what you want to say and do in this room. Is that right, church? Father, not only in this room, but for those that are watching online, those that are in RVs on the way to Yellowstone and those that are camping down on the beach in Rockport or wherever they are, those that are watching in their homes here in the hill country, Father, we just pray that your presence also would make his presence known there in those locations and that you would move and transform us. Lord, the times in which we live in demand a bride that's pure. It demands a church that lives on mission a church that will be serious to carry out your command to go and tell. And Father, I pray that when you look on this house, you would see us as that and be confident that we will carry your gospel wherever we go. And we'll give you the glory. It's in Jesus' name we all said, amen, amen. amen. Glad you're here today. Listen, do not look at the screens at any point today. Don't look up there. Just trust me, because there's a good chance you're going to get a bad view. And the camera's really zoomed in, and it looks, I look awful. Uh, Shrek is preaching today. Those of you that are watching us online, we are saving you a seat. and hope you can join us next time you're in the area. But we are glad to be in the house of the Lord today. I'm praying that the Lord would set our church on fire. Have you ever prayed that? Have you ever prayed, Lord, set us on fire? Man, you need to be careful what you pray for because it could happen. It was September of 1979. I was asleep in my bed in Mesquite, Texas. And my mom came and knocked on the door. She said, Jason, get up. The church is on fire. Now, mom wasn't talking about an evangelistic movement that had broken out at midnight in September of 1979, but our church building was literally on fire. We lived not far from it. We could see the glow across the horizon. We loaded up in our family van, and we headed to the church, and we saw fire trucks everywhere. We could not get on the property, so we stood across the street at that anointed Church of Christ right there, and we watched as the smoke billowed and as we saw flames, we heard sirens, we saw firefighters running around trying to put, our church was on fire. I actually watched it burn. Some of you watched the ring of fire yesterday, did you not? And it burns, burns, burns. One of my neighbors did, could not name who sang that song. What's up with that? Thank you. Hearn, you knew that, didn't you? Absolutely. But we watched it burn. We had to stand at a distance. We couldn't do anything. We, we, we just had to trust and let those who were prepared 
We had to let them perform the task of what they've been equipped to do. I just already told you, I watched the this eclipse yesterday, but I gotta have another confession to make, Levi. I watched a lot of football yesterday. How many of you know that college football is better than pro football? Round of applause. I mean, seriously, Tuck, when's the last time you saw 100,000 people storm a field after a pro football game? No, they're out of there. They're leaving early, especially if you're a New York Giants fan, right? Or a Denver Bronco fan, let's just be honest. It's a rough season. I'm just telling you what scripture says. The last shall be first. Swank, that's what I'm holding on to. That my Broncos, Corey Waller, have a chance at some point. It may be in the distant future and Jesus may come back before it happens, but I'm holding on. I'm a man of faith, amen? I watched football a lot yesterday and have you ever noticed there are some fans at games that are all out? They're crazy. Did you watch the, the, what's up with the Las Vegas Raiders? That just doesn't sit right with me, right? But have you noticed their fans, Anthony, they, they, I mean, they look demonic when they go to a game. They're wearing black and skulls and they've got spiky things all over their shoulder pads. I mean, they are crazy people. My wife said, look at all these people wearing jerseys. Those jerseys cost 150, 250 bucks or you get the knockoff for $9.95, whatever, but, but they're wearing beads, they're painted colors. They are in the stands watching and yelling. I mean, bands are going crazy. Cheerleaders are doing herkies and there's basket catches. I mean, there's all sorts of stuff happening. But as loud and crazy as those fans get, and as much as they cheer or sing the school song or sway and, you know, saw Varsity's horns off. They, they do not play the game. They, they, they think they changed the outcome, but ultimately it's up to the 22 men, sometimes women, on the field that are playing the game. They're the ones that are determining who wins and who loses. I'm sorry, I'll say it. There are losers in life. Not everybody gets a trophy. Sorry. I know that's not a James Dobson parenting good moment right there, but anyway, y'all know what I'm saying. Those fans, as much as they yelled and sang and cheered and decorated themselves, they, they really aren't responsible for who wins or who loses, but it's those who are actually involved in the game. Today is an invitation for you to get out of the stands, to quit watching, and partner with the God of heaven in accomplishing something that will be victorious. I think the message today that God has for all of us is to consider how am I actively engaged and participating in what he wants to accomplish here on earth. Uh, we, we placed something in, in, in your seats today. It's, a, it's something we call a ministry partner uh, agreement. And, 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 and I'm not gonna refer to that a lot. I just wanted you to have that to, to keep with you. But, 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 but I, I want you to share, share with you our vision for, for who we are as a church at 1910. 
Listen, we used to participate, and I grew up in a church where, where there was something called membership, and there were membership classes, and, and we were encouraged to become a member, and, and sometimes we had to go through a list of courses or memorize some things or, or what have you, but, but, but membership in a lot of churches is a big deal, and it should be a big deal. In fact, I believe that every one of us should find a local church to connect with, to plug into, and, uh-oh, be a part of. But, but if we stop at this thing called membership, I think, I think that we're missing out on what really God's plan and desire for us. You see, when you look up that word member in scripture, you're going to find this definition. It means belonging to a particular group. I have a Costco card. I'm a card carrier, right? And I get to go into Costco, and, and I get to go in there and, and eat enormous slices of pizza that are like a dollar. I mean, it's like six slices in one. Costco sells more hot dogs every year than every major sporting venue combined. Check that. Now you know where you're going for lunch. It was Schlotsky's last Sunday today. Let's go to Costco. Amen. <laughs> They sell gold at Costco. Did you know that? How many of you bought a piece of gold over the last month through Costco? You can purchase that. How many of you bought a Powerball ticket? Let me see those hands too. If you win that, send the money into the Lord's work. Amen. We're going. Anyway, I'm a card carrier. In fact, when I was growing up, there was a famous commercial whose slogan was, membership has its privileges. Remember? The American Express card. Don't leave home without it. This idea of membership, I'm afraid, can, 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 it's great on a lot of levels, right? But it can also be damaging and cause us to lose focus of what we're called to be in the body of Christ. You see, I think a lot of us are content just to be a member and a card carrier. That's where I go to church. I've got the decal on the back of my car. By the way, we have free 1910 stickers at Info and Resources today. Pick one up and put it on loud and proud. Come on, let's go. You better drive like Jesus, though, too, when you put it on there. Amen. So I won't get those phone calls either. But a lot of us think that if I'm just a member, that's all. Listen, can I just cause us to think a little bit different? In fact, we made this shift two years ago. We, we shifted from encouraging people to become a member to becoming a partner with us. You see, partnership is a little bit different than membership. Partnership means I'm engaged. It's a group of people that are engaged together, engaged, participating in the same activity. Whereas a member is more of a card carrier, a partner is more of a, a teammate. It's somebody I'm getting my hands dirty with. It's somebody that's really in this game, part of the 22 versus the 100,000. Are you with me there? God doesn't need more fans. He needs more partners in kingdom work. He needs more people who will get dirty, who will give towards, who will support. He wants more people that have a deeper growing passion for his word and want to study and learn and be with others. He wants to be a part. He's looking for people to partner with him that want to be a part of fulfilling this thing called the Great Commission. Folks, let me tell you something. It's more than just getting a touch on a Sunday morning. It's about living empowered by the Holy Spirit of God throughout the week, making a difference for the kingdom of God. You ought to clap right there. I, I love, I don't know if you saw this image in our hallway today, but last week we had 225 people come to the stage and drop a card off. 
I've been preaching this series on hope and encouraging. Hey, would you begin to pray about an opportunity, a place of brokenness in the community in which you live? And we are hope carriers. We are hope dealers. Those of us who have Jesus Christ in our life, we have the hope that a broken, lost, dark, fallen world needs. Are you with me today, church? And God is calling us not just to sit and soak, but he's calling us to go and influence and to shine his light of hope. And there's 225 of you brought a card up last Sunday. And we have those on display out here just as a reminder of, of ways that we can pray. People are stepping into to areas of, of helping veterans who are suffering some post-traumatic um, occurrences. We've got people stepping into mental health issues. We have, I'm guessing, students that said, my school campus is where I'm gonna bring hope. We got people talking about friends groups and clubs that they belong to. I mean, can you imagine what happens when we get out of here and we actively engage culture with the hope that we profess? In fact, can we just pause, time out real quick? Does anybody have a testimony from this week? of how Jesus used you to shine his light or to bring hope to an area. Anybody? Just think, don't lie, because you know what the Bible says about that, too. Lying, hey, right here, you've got, hey, what's your name, first of all? I'm Dana. Dana, hey, I'm Jason, have we met? Yes. Many times? Yeah, well, not many. Oh, not many, that's good. Hey, so how, did, how were you used by the Lord this week? Well, I'm a mental health professional. I'm an LPC, and I had, um, and it's a non-denominational LMHA. Okay. And I had a suicidal gentleman that is a Christian, and he came in, and he was headed somewhere, and his car went, he went to kill himself um, mm. with his car, but it bounced off and came back. And when people share that they're Christian, then I can open the door. Yeah. And I said, you have guardian angels, and God hey. wants you here hey. for a reason. There you go. He encouraged him with that. Just, yeah, it was like, and he... Agreed, he called his grandpa, and then he, um, yeah, but anyway, he thinks he needs to be here too. So. How about that? That's awesome. Make yourself available. I love that. Someone else, how's God used you this week to shine hope, bring hope to a desperate situation? I love that. We know what caused his car to careen off or whatever, and thank you for being willing to share. Hey, now I know. Let me encourage you with this. That's our HIPAA, yeah, it's Okay. But listen, it's about making ourselves available. God gives us those opportunities, right? What does a church on fire look like? It's the question I want us to wrestle with today. I, I, I lobbed that out in the midst of watching football games last night. And man, there were some great games on. My wife went to bed and I still stayed up and was, I ate way too many chips and dip yesterday too, just a confession, but you can tell that the camera's exposing that. But I sent the note out and I said, hey, what does a church on fire look like? I sent this out last night, late. Here's some responses I got back. It's bold. There's excitement and expectation to see the Holy Spirit move in its gatherings. It can't be contained. It's contagious. Fire emoji, fire emoji is what it has on here. Someone else put contagious. Someone put the word, it's free. Someone put my thoughts to go back to the word contagious, and it spreads like a holy wildfire. Hey, I want to be a part of a church on fire. I want us to be a body of believers. In fact, I believe if you're in Christ, I believe that that's heaven's desire for you as well, that you would be 
on fire. What does that look like? Hey, if you have your Bibles, look at Luke chapter three, beginning in verse 15. It says, everyone was expecting the Messiah to come soon, and they were eager to know whether John might be the Messiah. John answered their questions by saying, I baptize you with water, but someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater that I'm not even worthy to be his slave and untie the straps of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with what? So check this out. Let me pause right here before I get to the next verse. This is John, not the apostle, the, the disciple John, not the disciple that Jesus loved the most. This is John the Baptist. He's called the Baptist, not because that's the church he attended. He's called the Baptist because he's the baptizer. Last week, we baptized eight people here out back. And if you were a part, yeah, I think we can celebrate that. And if you were a part of that, you heard me share that, right? John's baptizing people. Now, listen, you got to understand something. It, John is a fresh voice in a world that was desperate to hear from God. Yeah. John was a fresh voice in a world that was desperate to hear from God. Might we still be living in that same type of world? It had been 400 years since the last prophet spoke. Prophets were, were men or women that God would use, send into a community and bring a word from God. Most of the time when a prophet showed up in your city, Ray, it was not good. <laughs> a lot of times there was a word of judgment, correction, what have you. But it's now 400 years of silence since the last prophet spoke. And all of a sudden you have this crazy preacher in the wilderness He's outside the city. People are flocking, leaving the houses of worship in the cities to go hear this John the baptizer. Why he's baptizing people in the Jordan River. He wore camel hair. He ate locusts and honey. I mean, this dude was radical. But he's preaching a message that was so different. He's preaching about forgiveness and love. He's preaching about relationship. And he's preaching about one that would come. His message was so different. Repent, repent. And people were flocking to hear him, and they just thought that he might be the long-awaited promised Messiah. Of course, John says, it's not I. I'm not, I'm not even worthy enough to tie the, untie the straps on his sandals. Oh, no, no, no. There's one that's coming that is by far greater than me. Of course, he's preaching and speaking of Jesus. John says, I baptize you because you repented of your sins. I'm baptizing you with, 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 with water. But no, make no mistake, when he comes, ooh, ooh, I'm telling you, he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Wow. Now we, that was a radical message, and I'm sure that there were some people that were a little concerned and nervous about that, right? In fact, look what he said in verse 17. It says, he's ready to separate the chaff from the wheat with his winnowing fork. And he will clean up the threshing area, gathering the wheat into his barn, but burning the chaff with never-ending fire. You know, a kernel of wheat has a, has a husk around it, and, and they would shake it with a winnowing fork and toss it, toss it until that husk would fall off, leaving only the sweet fruit of piece of grain, Right? 
with all those discarded husks, and it was good for nothing, so they would just kind of push that over to the side, and, and they had what was left, a pure product that people could benefit from, right? Who would want fire? Fire has so many connotations. He's gonna baptize us with the Spirit and with fire? They understood fire. They, they, they knew that fire was, well, one of the things that fire was all about was about purging, right? They remembered the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah in Genesis, right? That was so eat up with, with, with wrongful living and sin. And Abraham says, hey, but my nephew was there and his family, Lord. There's got to be some other believers there. Let us at least go in and give them warning and rescue them so that they can flee from the destruction. Kind of sounds like some news we've been hearing the last few days, doesn't it? But, but Abraham went. We know he found Lot and and his family, they're making their way. Don't look back, don't look back. Who looked back is Sarah. What was Lot's wife's name? Lot's wife, we don't know her name. <laughs> Turned into a pillar of pepper, salt. Pillar of salt, right? They were rescued. I'm reminded in Leviticus that there were some Levite priests. They got a little carried away. They, they began to worship and offer sacrifices and use fire that was inappropriate when anointed and called by God and fire purged. Purging eliminates things that are of no use anymore. We've seen it in some farmers in their fields. After they harvest a crop, they'll burn off the husk and all the things that are left. We've seen it in certain dense areas like in Florida where they will actually set the, the forest on fire to burn all the underbrush away. It eliminates things that are of no use. Things that are no good, fire can get rid of that, right? We also know in the Old Testament, though, that, 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 that sometimes God sent fire from heaven to cover the sins of the people. They would offer sacrifices on the altar, and the blood of the lamb would, would be spilt, and fire from heaven would come and take it all up, right? Purged, forgiven. We also know that fire can purify, can it not? Those of you that are wearing a precious piece of metal around your, your neck or maybe on your finger or maybe you're tough and got a tattoo. I don't know. But, but, uh, but, but we know precious metals are purified to separate the, the things that are wrong, the, the fallacies within that metal from the things that, well, it makes it pure, correct? It's burned. Gold, metals, those things go through intense heat and fire to bring the impurities away from something that, oh, then is beautiful and pure. Wow. In, in, in the book of Acts, let's fast forward there. I want to hang on to this thought of, of purifying, but in Acts chapter one, the resurrected Jesus comes and makes himself known to his disciples. It says in verse four, once when he was eating with them, this is Jesus was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift that he promised, as I told you before. John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Jesus is here reminding them. Jesus appeared some 100 different times after his death and resurrection to people. This is his final time. He said, listen, remember what John said? John said, I baptized with water, but there would come one. Listen, guys, now's the time. I want you to go to Jerusalem and wait because this gift that John spoke of in Luke 3, this gift that I told you would come when I spoke about it in John, I believe 16, listen, there's something I'm gonna give you that through which you will do even greater things than you've seen me do before. Yeah. It's gonna be through you. You see, what, 
what was happening is Jesus came, God loved the world so much, and this is a word for someone today, that God loved the world so much that he made a way that you and I did not have to be purged and eliminated and done away with. But he made a way for you and I to be purified, to maybe go through some heat so that we could be cleansed and purified and forgiven of all of our sin. Am I talking to anybody right now? You see, God had every right to wipe us off the the face of the planet, but he did not. He made a way. Why would God do that? Because you need to understand something about our God. God is love. And he loves you. He loves you. In that moment that I prayed to receive Jesus Christ in my life, I am a Christian. Some of you have doubted that. You've questioned. I know. It's okay. No, I'm kidding. But I am a Christian. In the moment that I asked Jesus Christ to come into my life, he sent his spirit within me. And that spirit brought forgiveness of my sins. And boy, I had a plenty. I still do. Anybody else still make some mistakes and still sin and hurt the heart of God? You better all get your hands up. You're lying. And remember what the Bible says about that. But he forgives me. And he makes me right. We sang a song, our worship team. Thank you guys for singing that song about holy, holy. The only way we have the opportunity to come into the presence of a holy God is because of Jesus. He makes us right. We can't do anything on our own. We can't clean up enough. We can't be good enough. We can't go to church enough. We can't give enough. Listen, we can't do it, but Jesus can. And so for someone listening today, have you received this forgiveness, this cleansing, this purifying that Jesus offers you? You see, fire can do that. Jesus has reminded these disciples of his in Acts 1, you need to go because it's about to happen. It's about to happen. Fire purges, fire purifies. But I love this last part about fire that I'm reminded of. And by the way, I love a testimony. A gentleman came and grabbed me and said, hey, your sermon was, you were a little wrong in your messaging today. I said, oh, great. You come preach the next one then, theologian. (laughs) Just kidding, I didn't say that, but he was right. He was bearing witness. He said, you know, there's something else that fire does because it's happened in my mine and my wife's marriage. God's used this church. He said, fire can also mend like a welder, bringing things back together and molding them. He said, God has used this church to do that. I said, okay, you're right. I'm, forgive me, God. I said, you're right. You're right. It can do that, right? But fire also spreads, does it not? You see, when Jesus comes to these disciples in Acts 1, that's the imagery that he's wanting them to understand now. He said, I'm not going to do away with the church. I'm not here to burn the church down and and get rid of it. No, no, no. I want to come purify the church, but I want to set it ablaze because my intent is for my story to spread. Guys, that's God's plan. That's why he sets us ablaze so that we would spread his story. In fact, look what it says, the next page in Acts chapter two, beginning of verse one. On that day of Pentecost, remember Jesus has told him, go to Jerusalem and wait. On that day, there's about 120 believers gathered in a room. There's that or a little bit more in this room today. 
On that day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place, and suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. What are y'all doing right now? Where? Watch out. It could happen. They were sitting there. And what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them the ability. They were set ablaze. They were baptized in the Holy Spirit So in turn, they would go out with a renewed passion and fire to be the people that God had called them to be. Remember what I said earlier. Heaven doesn't need more fans. It needs partners. People that are actively engaged, focused on one outcome to see it accomplished. My friend, listen, if you're in Christ, that's God's plan for you. We don't need just another Sunday with three or four great songs. And I'm telling you, we're about to sing one that's going to make you cry. I've had tissue in my pocket all day. Thank you. We need some holy hankies in this house that I can just wave and throw around somebody. Come on, where are you at, Pentecostals? Come on, I know know y'all know what I'm talking about. But God has saved us. He's purified us, guys. He has set us afire. He set these 120 on fire so that it would spread. These people begin to live passionately. They begin to live on fire. You could not stop them or contain them. Listen, their lives were more in danger than ours are. But they ran with a reckless abandon. They had been changed by a reckless love. And they couldn't keep it contained any longer. Hey, what happens to a church when it is set on fire? What are the results? I'm telling you, people's lives are saved. Hey, there are empty seats in this room today. And we're saving some for those of you that are watching online. But there are empty seats. You know what fills the seats? People on fire. When we're on fire, when we're partnering with heaven, people come to watch us They want to come and see what's happening. That's the result of a church on fire. Healing of diseases, spiritual addictions broken in people's lives. As that gentleman declared after the first hour, relationships and marriages mended and put back together. Revival breaks out in a city and a country and people will flock to want to see what's happening. That's what happens when a church is on fire. That's our prayer. That's what I want to be a part of. I don't need to be a part of another great 70-minute experience with haze and lights and great sound and our kids getting a great story and making some really other beautiful piece of art to go in our refrigerator. Those things are great. But what's greater is somebody standing up testifying, saying, you know what, God used me this week to help somebody that was on the verge of suicide. And God used me. I just said, I'm available. Here I am, Lord. Speak. Speak. 
It's a story of someone else that said, I just got back off of a mission trip. Mark McQuaid, raise your hand. Mark just got back from Brazil. I said, Mark, what were you doing in Brazil? He said, the empanadas are wonderful. <laughs> Plantains, oh, no, that's Mark said, I was a part of a healing ministry down there this last week. Come on, somebody. I feel like a loser sitting around watching college football. He's down there laying hands on the sick and seeing healing happen. Are you with me today? That's what happens when we're set on fire. That's what happens, guys. I don't want to just be a part of church. Uh, we're, 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 we're not looking for just people that just want to come and, and be a card carrier. No, no. I want people that are willing to engage the enemy, to shine light in dark places, and to be dealers of hope. Are you with me? That's what we're about. Nothing wrong with the churches I've grown up in, but I've been a part of some that were just content to gather. Guys, listen, the times in which we live in demand the church of Jesus Christ to rise up and to partner with heaven and be who he's called us to be. So over the next few weeks, you're gonna hear me. I'm gonna be speaking like that for the next several weeks. And this may not be for, for all of us. And I'm okay with that. Gideon had 300. They won a battle, Sydney, that they shouldn't have won. Unreal, one of the greatest miraculous military victories in history through a man named Gideon. He started with 33,000, but the Lord whittled it down to 300. They were the right 300. Started with in Acts 120, they got set on fire, and 120 in Acts chapter twos and threes becomes 3,000, then 5,000. You see what happens? Fire spreads spreads what could happen in this house. And so we're going to be challenging and asking you to partner with us as we partner with heaven. That's the invitation. That's the invitation to get involved in the game. You play the game to win. And we're looking for people that want to advance the kingdom of God with us. Amen. Oh, I signed up last year. That's great. Good for you. This is a new year. It's a new opportunity. You've changed. We've changed. And you may not like where we're headed. You may not like that we're going to be serious about experiencing the fullness of the Spirit of God in these gatherings and living as empowered people out in our community and telling stories about what you just heard today. That's who we're going to be. We're going to celebrate big on the weekends. But we're going to serve bigger Monday through Saturday. Amen. Hey, would you stand with me today? And our team, hey, I want us to sing this incredible song today. Because we've been given much from a God who loves big. And our response should be to give our lives back to him for his use and his glory. We've been saved in order to go and help others be saved.